Good morning, everyone. I hope you all are doing well. Uh, I am all right. I'm a little under the weather, trying to keep my distance from everyone. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I'm glad to be here this morning. Glad you all are all here. Um, we are in our Heart for the House series. It's just a vision series for the year, kind of an emphasis series, like what I believe God has for Anchor Church specifically uh, this year in 2024. And this year, uh, I believe it's discipleship. Our focus is discipleship, really, truly learning how to be more and more like Jesus. And last week we discussed that if we're going to be more and more like Jesus, if we're going to be prepared to serve the will uh, of God, if we're going to serve the will of God, we have to be prepared, right? We, the best way to prepare ourselves is prayer, worship, and the word. And last week we discussed the importance of, of prayer as a daily discipline. We discussed um, that, that, that prayer is, is essential to the growth of a Christ follower. This week, the title of my message is, This is Truly the Way to Worship Him. Um, but before we dive into the scriptures, I want to share an experience I had with you. Um, this is a true story. So um, I, I, I always feel like I have to say that because I, sometimes I feel like my stories are so fantastical that people are like, is that true? This isn't crazy, a crazy story, but... It is a true one. So September 5th, 2009, the Nebraska Cornhuskers <laughs> played the Florida Atlantic University Owls. So this was the first uh, Nebraska Cornhusker football game I ever attended. Now, if you didn't know, I don't know where you've been, but I am a huge college football fan, specifically the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And uh, in, in September 2009, I got to go to my first game. It was the opening game. Um, and uh, I remember that day perfectly. I remember uh, me and my buddy, the guy who was taking me, he had been to multiple dozens and dozens of games before. He was taking me to my first game. I remember we got to Lincoln, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, and we parked uh, in a neighborhood close to the stadium. And we got out and we started walking up to the stadium. And as we got closer to the stadium, um, there were just thousands upon thousands of people descending upon the stadium. And we got lost in this giant sea of red people. And it was, it was crazy. Um, just the energy. And as we're, game, game was two hours from starting and people are screaming, go big red, you know, like just crazy. It's palpable, right? And um, we're approaching the stadium, we get to the gate, we, we, our tickets get, st get scanned, and we're walking upstairs, and we're shuffling through people, trying to make our way to our seats, and we're, we're going through the concourse, right, where all the concessions are, and the bathrooms and all that. We're going through the concourse, and we go through the opening into the stadium, and it literally took my breath away. 90,000 people. I'd never been and to anything like that before. I'd never seen anything like that. 90,000 people all wearing red, all there to cheer for Nebraska. It was crazy. I was blown away. It was so cool. Um, and one thing also that I'll never forget is two minutes before kickoff, all the cheerleaders went out to the middle of the field. Half were facing one direction, half were facing the other direction. They were all holding a card. And the cards uh, all together spelled out Husker power. Well, half of the cheerleaders were, were holding the cards that said Husker. The other half were holding the cards that said power. And these cheerleaders would hold up their sign, and that half of the stadium 
would yell, Husker. And then these cheerleaders would hold up their card. This half of the stadium would yell, Power. So Husker. Had 90,000 people screaming this for two and a half minutes. It was insane. Again, I'd never experienced anything like this before in my life. Pastor Ryan, what is the point of this story? What does this have to do with anything? Here's the point. In this experience, I saw countless people behaving in a way they probably otherwise wouldn't have had they not been in that situation. I saw screaming, and I saw, I saw old ladies cursing at people. No joke. White hair, curly, white curly hair old ladies that you probably they look like the sweetest people in the world cursing because of bad calls at the rat. Like for three hours, people lost their inhibitions to show the Cornhuskers great and extravagant respect, honor, devotion. And that's the definition of worship to show great uh, or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. I believe we were made to worship. I believe we were created to worship. And if we don't worship God, we will worship something. If we don't worship God, we will worship something. It may, it may not be as obvious as like worshiping idols in the Old Testament, right? Like building some kind of statue that's like half human, half animal and bowing down to it, right? Like that's kind of the, the image we get of like worshiping idols. It may not be like that, but... It will be something. Maybe you really enjoy stuff and the latest and greatest like of the like toys and gadgets and you just have to have it and you like spend your money irresponsibly to get what you think you need. That's a form of worship in my opinion. Or maybe you're like a lot of the sports fans in my story and like your identity is wrapped up in the team, team you cheer for. Or maybe, um, maybe you have no idea who you are outside of your career. Maybe your work is your identity. That's a form of worship. Or maybe it's your family, or maybe it's your hobbies, or maybe it's your bank account. Like, there's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves, right? But like, when your identity becomes those things, like, that's a form of worship. It's really easy to worship because it's something we were made to do. And if we're not offering our worship to God, we will honor someone else or something else. We will respect someone or something else. We will show devotion to someone or something else because we were created to. Today, I want to see what the Bible has to teach us about worship and the role it should play in our lives. But first, would you pray with me this morning? Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. Open our hearts to respond to your word today, God. Teach us what it means to truly worship you. We love you, God. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up or turn them on to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 1. And in my opinion, Romans 12 is the perfect picture of what it means to truly worship God. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. 
but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The Apostle Paul is saying, because of everything God has done, like he spent the first 11 chapters of Romans kind of laying out, this is what God has done. This is what God has done for you. You know, humans, you were trapped in a downward spiral of sin and wickedness. You know what? Humans, like, like you deserve death because you sinned against God. Like, you couldn't follow God's word on your own. Like, because God loves you more than anything, because God sent his son to stand in the gap and make you righteous in the eyes of God, because God, because of all the things God has done for you, do this. This is the way to say thank you. This is the way to worship him. Because you're a part of his family now, offer your bodies to God. Let your body be a holy and living sacrifice. Then he says something very simple, but very revolutionary. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world you live in. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world you live in. The message version puts it in a, in a very blunt way that I think like, speaks to me because it's just my language. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to the, your culture that you fit into it without even thinking about it. E. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't be like everyone else in the culture. Don't fall into the trap of making politics your religion. You got to pick a side. Don't, don't fall into the trap of worshiping idols, money, power, material stuff. Don't, don't do that. Don't fall into the trap of living your life like people who don't serve God. The Apostle Paul is saying the world is rooted in everything but God and his word. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Let God transform you into a new, new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll know what's good. Then you'll know what's pleasing. Then you'll know what's perfect. Worship. This is the way to truly worship him. Many people think that worship has, has to do with music. Like what we did up here, like that and that alone, that's, that's worship. Singing songs to God, this is my worship to him. There's even an old song by Leonard Cohen that... Um, the lyrics address this misconception. Um, they're going to put them up on the, the screen right now, I think. Yeah, here we go. Now I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor falls, the major lit. Like he's, he's addressing this misconception head on. He's, he's saying like people think that worship is about music. That if you play the exact right chord at the exact right moment, that God is all of a sudden going to be happy and he's going to shine his favor on you. Or if you sing at just the right pitch, then all is good with the world, right? That's not worship. That's not what worship is. Worship is so much bigger than that. It's so much more than that. Now, don't get me wrong. Like when we sing songs every week, like that can be a form of worship. But worship is bigger than just music. It's bigger than music. Another misconception about worship that many church people have is that like true worship is when the glory of God falls, right? 
it falls in service and you get all the feels, you get tingly and the goosebumps and the hair on the back of your neck stands up and that's true worship, all right? You know, you know you're truly worshiping when you feel that stuff. But scripture makes no link between the way you feel and worshiping God. Scripture makes no link between the way you feel and worshiping God and actually true worship will probably almost never make you feel good. True worship is hard. True worship can be difficult. I'll admit, okay, I love hearing a good song. I love hearing a, a well-written song. I, well, I love hearing like, you know, a well-constructed, like, like a well a good chord structure and all that. Like it's good. It like draws emotional response, like, you know, gives you goosebumps and all that. But based on that alone, it doesn't mean that that's true worship. Another misconception about worship is that like worship is purely personal and private. Worship is 100% private. It's no one else's business, but mine. It's between me and God forget everyone else. And that was my attitude for years. And I truly believed that, that, that worship was something between me and God and no one else mattered in it, right? But I realized that true, true worship, um, I, I realized the importance of worshiping God with others, that the tremendous power in acknowledging God together and encouraging one another at the same time Worship is personal, but it's not private. Worship is, is personal. It's also communal. We're supposed to worship together. As a matter of fact, we're commanded to gather together and worship. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 say this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I hear people say all the time, I don't need to go to church to worship God. Well, scripture says that's not true. We're supposed to be together. Worship is a communal act. It can be personal. It can be individual, but God never meant it for, never meant for it to be that way permanently. It is a communal act of us doing it together. So what is true worship? What is this offering your body as a living sacrifice thing? What does it look like in our everyday lives? I believe that the rest of Romans chapter 12 paints the picture for what true worship looks like in the life of a believer. That I believe that the Apostle Paul identifies the elements of true worship, and that's what I want to look at today. That's what I want to examine so the first element of true worship that the Apostle Paul identifies is this. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, don't think you're better than you really are. It's the very first thing he said. This is the way to truly worship him. Don't think you're better than you are. Humble yourself. If you're going to show great respect, if you're going to show great honor, if you're going to show devotion, you cannot do those things from a place of pride. You can't do that from a place of pride. You have to lower yourself. You have to humble yourself. Worship requires humility. 
You're not a Christ follower because you said you are one. You're, you're not a Christ follower because you're better than the next person. You're a true Christ follower because you recognize you don't have what it takes to make yourself right with God. And you humbled yourself in his presence. Humility. Humble yourself. This is the beginning of worship. You've put no confidence or dependence on who you are or on outward privileges or physical advantages or external appearances. You know that there is no advantage to being proud and boastful of your accomplishments, for they mean nothing to God. Humble yourself. It's the beginning of worship. I'm going to move through these pretty quick, so try to stick with me. The next element of true worship is use the gifts he's given you. Use the gifts he's given you. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. I'm not going to read the entire, um, entirety of these three verses. Uh, I'm going to condense them a little bit um, for the sake of time. But it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability, do it gladly. Whether you want to believe it or not whether you want to accept it or not, whether you want to affirm it or not, God has given you a specific and personal gift for you to use for the glory of his, his kingdom. And this is the way you can truly worship him, is using that gift. Um, Chelsea alluded to it during worship, but I want to look at creation for a second. Why do the birds fly? Why do fish swim? Why do the waves like crash on the shore and then recede back? Why, why do trees shed their leaves every fall and then in the spring they grow new ones? Why? Because God created them to. Birds fly because God created them to fly. Fish swim because God created them to swim. When we do what we're created to do, that is worship to God. That might seem like an oversimplification, but I, I think it's, it's a powerful one. All, all of creation, all of creation except humans just naturally do what they were created to do. We, are, we alone have the will to choose whether or not we do what we were created to do. All of creation, the, all of the rest of creation does what they were created to do, and it's worship to God. When we use our gifts that God created us for, it is worship to him. One of my spiritual giftings is teaching. I am a teacher. And when I operate in that gifting, it is worship to God. Sue McThaney, where is Sue? Sue, when you operate in your gifting of hospitality, it is worship. To, she is gifted in hospitality. If you didn't know that, she is gifted in hospitality. And when she operates in that, it is worship to God. Jim, you are gifted at music, and when you operate in that gifting, it is worship to God. When we operate in the gifts that God has given us, it is worship to him. It's worship to him. Humble yourself. Use the gifts he's given you. The next element of true worship is this. Really love others. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Don't just pretend to love other people. Really love them. One of the greatest signs uh, that someone respects me is how they treat my kids. One of the greatest signs that somebody loves me 
is the way they treat Titus, Ezra, and Topanga. You love, if, if you love me, you'll love my kids well. If you honor me, if you respect me, you'll, you'll love my kids well. And I think that goes for almost everybody, right? Um, I didn't ask her if I could use this um, example, so Chelsea, forgive me if, if this isn't okay. But yesterday, um, our, our, some of our anchor kids had a JBQ competition, and I wasn't feeling well, and Robin had something else going on with Ezra, and so Titus didn't have a ride. Um, to the competition that was two hours away. And Chelsea, without even thinking about it, was like, oh, he can ride with us. Oh, we'll take care of him. He's, I'm like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. You love my kids well. I feel respected. I feel honored. I feel loved. Thank you, by the way. Um, this is how it is with God. This is how it is with God. When we love his kids well, he feels honored. He feels respected. He feels loved. And I'll say this, and this is worth writing down. This is worth remembering. This is worth typing in your notes or whatever, wherever you're going like, to be able to see it. The way we treat other people is an indicator of how we feel about the God who created them. The way we treat other people is an indicator of how we feel about the God who created them. And I'm not just talking about your family. What about that server at the restaurant who's just not getting anything right? The way you treat that server is an indicator of how you feel about the God who created them. Not that gas station attendant who doesn't want to be there and they're giving you attitude. The way you treat that person is an indicator of how you feel about the God who created them. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. This is worship to God. The next element of true worship is this. Work hard with enthusiasm. Work hard with enthusiasm. Romans chapter 12, verse 11, it says, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Pastor Ryan, you don't know my job. It's awful. It's awful work. Pastor Ryan, you don't know the people I have to deal with every day at my work. They're, they're, it's unbearable. You don't know. You, you don't know what I have to go through eight hours a day, five days a week. You don't know. You don't know the conditions that I work on. Like, how can, how can I be enthusiastic? How could anybody be enthusiastic in circumstances like that? And that's the point. That's the point. When we can learn to work hard in less than ideal circumstances, it sticks out. When we can learn to be enthusiastic in, in difficult circumstances, it sticks out to people. People notice that and be like, okay, what's, what's going on? Because we're doing the same exact job. We're experiencing the same thing, but I hate my life and you have all this joy. What is that about? It sticks. That's the whole point. Work hard with enthusiasm. The people of God are supposed to be different. They're supposed to stick out. What an incredible way to be different. What an incredible way to stick out. We're supposed to reflect God to a hurting and broken world. And when we work hard with enthusiasm, we, we absolutely do that. Um, as a young believer, I was taught the 3% rule. If you don't know what that is, I'll explain it to you really quickly. If you want to enhance your witness for the Lord in your workplace, 
work 3% harder than everybody else. You want to enhance your witness for the Lord in your workplace? Be the hardest worker, and all you got to do is work 3% harder than everybody else. That means, like, not, ju- not just the people who report to you, but also your peers and even your bosses. Work harder than everybody else, and, and people will start to notice. People will start to, like, to see, like, man, something's different about that person. Work hard with enthusiasm. Humble yourself. Use your gifts. Love others. The next element of true worship that I want to talk about is keep on praying. Keep on praying. This one's going to be quick because we went through it last week. But Romans 12, verse 12 says, Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Prayer is essential because this is how we commune with God. This is how we, um, this is how we communicate with him. God wants to know you, and what a better way to develop a prayer discipline than when you're in constant contact with him. Keep on praying in every kind of circumstance, in trouble, in good times, in apathetic times, in joyful times, in sad times. Like, keep on praying. The next element, eagerly practice hospitality. Eagerly practice hospitality. Romans chapter 12, verse 13, it says, when God's, uh, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Hospitality is defined as the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. The Bible defines it slightly different. Um, it's, the same, it's the same principle, but it uses a little bit different words. The Bible um, defines hospitality as showing love to strangers. Showing love to strangers. This means people outside of your regular circles. It means getting out of your comfort, comfort zone to show love to people who desperately need it. That is a way to truly worship God. Show, be eager to show hospitality. The final element of true worship that I want to talk about today is this. Conquer evil by doing good. Conquer evil by doing good. Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says this. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. We talked about this a little bit in our Parables of the Kingdom of God series. Um, Dealing with evil by doing more evil is not a trap we want to fall into. Um, Ernest Hemingway, he's a famous author, he once said this, being against evil doesn't make you good. He's, he's, and he's getting ready to talk about a specific incident. Um, it says, tonight I was against it, and then I was evil myself. I could feel it uh, coming just like a tide. I, want, I just want to destroy them, but when you start to take pleasure in it, you're awfully close to the thing you're fighting. Pastor Ryan, can you give, any, give me an example? Think about it like this. If I witnessed, if I witnessed somebody steal $20 from Kim, that is evil, right? Stealing, I would say it's pretty, it's a pretty evil thing. Taking what's not yours, like it's pretty evil. Is it then justified for me to chase that person down, rough them up a little bit to get the $20 and give it back to Kim? That's meeting evil with more evil. That's not what Jesus would do. So 
so, so how do you conquer evil in that moment by doing good? Well, instead of, instead of trying to chase down this person and rough them up, why don't I just offer Kim $20 to replace the $20 that was stolen from her? I would say that's a pretty good thing to do. And it doesn't, it doesn't like introduce more evil into the world. That's just a, it's a silly example, but I think it, it makes the point that like doing evil to combat evil isn't a good thing. If, even if we see it as a good thing, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily make it a good thing. Like overcome evil by doing good. Humble yourself. Use the gifts God gave you. Really love others. Work hard with enthusiasm. Keep on praying. Eagerly practice hospitality. Conquer evil by doing good. These are the elements of true worship as laid out by the Apostle Paul. Worship team, you can come to the platform. Um, now, I said worship, true worship isn't about music. Um, there definitely are plenty of, of examples in scripture of people praising and worshiping on through song, through music, right? Uh, Exodus chapter 15, um, verses 1 through 21 is is an example. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll read verses 1 and 2 and 21. It says this. Uh, This is Exodus 15. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. This is after, this is after God rescued them from Egypt. They crossed through the Red Sea and, and then the Red Sea swallowed up the Egyptians that were chasing them. This is the song they sang. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. This is the first recorded uh, song of worship to the God of Israel in Scripture. Exodus chapter 15. And the whole book of Psalms are songs of worship, right? I'm not making a claim that music... Uh, as worship is bad or wrong or unbiblical because it's not what I'm saying is like you can sing songs of worship and your heart not be in it and that's not worship just because you're just because you're you're going through the motions and you're paying lip service it doesn't mean your worship if 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 your heart's not in it it's not worship it's not about the expression it's about your heart Again, the definition of worship is this, to, to honor or show reverence for as a divine being, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. True worship is offering yourself to God as a sacrifice and saying, do whatever you want. Have your way in my life. You can honor and show reverence through song. We do that all the time, right? We do it every week here. But the best way, in my opinion, and according to to Romans 12, is to live your life in a way that reflects Christ to everyone around you. Worship isn't a 20-minute music set in, in church. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is the way you live for everyone else to see. True worship to our God is is putting others' needs before your own. True worship to our God is serving the church. True worship to our God is loving others no matter who they are or where they came from. 
True worship to our God is working hard in a job you don't like and having a joyful attitude while you do it. True worship to our God is making prayer a life priority and creating space for it every single day. True worship to our God is eagerly adding value to the people you interact with on a daily basis. True worship to our God is looking for any way you can to do good in a broken and hurting world. That's what it means to truly worship God. And so, dear Anchor Church, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done, with, done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he'll find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Let me pray for you this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. And we thank you, God, that you're trying to draw us closer to you. You're trying to draw us in. You're trying to teach us how to get to your heart. I pray, God, that um, the words wouldn't just go in one ear and out the other, but they would, they would root themselves deep inside of us and that we would we begin to know you better. We begin to understand what it means to, to truly worship you, that it's a lifestyle. It's not a, a singular act. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, God. We love you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. What I want to do right now is I just want to take a couple of minutes, just a couple minutes, and I want us to just respond respond to what the Spirit of God might be doing in your heart right now. And so the worship team, they're going to lead us in a song. You can feel free to join them in singing. You can pray. You can meditate on what we just talked about, whatever. Respond however you need to, but let's not rush through this moment. Um, after, after a few minutes, I'll come back up and I'll dismiss us. So don't anybody just leave just yet, but... Um, Let's allow the Spirit of God to continue working in us right now. Worship team, lead us. Amen. Amen. God, thank you. God, thank you that you're not some far off, distant God, but you are a good Father who's right here with us. You're right here. You want to wrap us up in your arms. God, thank you. God, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Before we're dismissed today, I want to give us some next steps. And um, these next steps are just something we can do to take the message and tangibly apply them to our life. I, I once heard somebody say, and I agree with this, that church without applying what you learn is worthless. Church without applying what you learn is worthless. So here are some next steps for us to take and apply the message to our, life, our lives this week. First one is this. This week, I'll pick one of the elements of worship to focus on and apply to my life. Pretty easy. One of those seven elements, humble yourself, 
Use the gifts God gave you, really love others, work hard with enthusiasm, keep on praying, eagerly practice hospitality, conquer evil by doing good. Just pick one. Just, just pick one to focus on and apply it to your life. Next one is this. This week I'll make time, I'll make time to pray each day. Last week, again, we talked about prayer as a daily discipline and we talked about um, just how important it is in your growth and development as a Christ follower. And, and if our, our focus this year is going to be discipleship, becoming more and more like Jesus um, to serve the will of God, we have to be prepared. And the way we do that is prayer, worship, and the word. And then finally this week, I'll memorize Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let me say one last prayer and then we can be dismissed this morning. God, we love you. We thank you. We submit to you today. God, we say, do what you will. Have your way. We lay our lives down at your feet because you deserve that. Finally, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen and amen. Thanks for coming today, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us. I hope you guys have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.